Amen. You guys all right? All right. Getting loosened up a little bit. I, just, I feel like the, 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 the rain is on you. I know it rained all day yesterday and some of you are experiencing sad. Isn't that what it's called? The, that syndrome that the, 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 the clouds and the, the rain affect you? They call it sad. Well, let's not be sad. How about that? Let's be joyful. And so we're going to take just 10 seconds to give Jesus a 10-second praise break. Come on, let's do that. Come on, he's worthy of it. There you go, there you go, there you go. See? That's good. See? That's good. It's, it's hard to be sad when you're clapping. So, so let's uh, keep that going as we jump in here to this next installment of The Pursuit of Presence. I want to read to us the series verse. This is in Psalm 84, verse 7. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, and if you're wondering what that is, it's a great little translation of the Bible where it takes the, the regular translation and then it amplifies words throughout the, the translation to help you better understand. And so I want to read that to you, Psalm 84, verse 7. Listen to this. They go from, say this with me, strength to strength. Strength to strength. I want you to see that word. I want you to think about that word. I want you to process that word. I want you to think about the possibilities of that word. And then the Amplified adds this. Increasing in victorious power. It doesn't say decreasing. It says increasing in victorious power as they appear before God in Zion. This particular psalm, I've said this already, but I want to catch everybody up. This particular psalm is a, a picture of what needed to happen in every male, Jewish male, every year they would have to go to the temple and they would take a journey up this mountain, so to speak, because Jerusalem was up on a hill. And so they would climb up. And so this is an ascension proverb. And what he's saying is that when you get to the temple of God, as you're going towards it, you are increasing in strength to strength. You are increasing in victorious power. And the idea is that can we imagine a life where we are always ever increasing in victorious power? I don't know about you, but I know for me, that's something that I want in my life. And so this entire series is about helping us figure out how to connect with the source that can help us do that. That source is God, revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And when we become followers of Jesus, if you are today, the Bible says that Jesus left. And when he did, he sent his spirit to live in you. And what that means is, is that the presence of God lives in you. That, my friends, is pretty amazing to think about. And so we've talked about over the last few weeks, we've talked about how we've got to get headed in the right direction. We've talked about how we've got to be obedient because if we're not obedient, we're not going to experience the presence and power of God. We've even talked about the three unique characteristics of God when it comes to his presence. We've talked about his omnipresence, which means he's just everywhere, right? He's everywhere. We've talked about his inner presence, which comes to us when we say yes to Jesus. 
And so when we say yes to Christ, we give our life to Christ, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us and gives us the very presence and power of God. But we also talked about some, another form of God's presence that we call his manifest presence. And my friends, you want some of that. I'm telling you, you do. Because it is the very presence of God manifest in such a way that it's observable, observable, clear. It's, it's something tangible and real. Can you imagine? And so we've been talking a little bit about how to get that. How do we get consistently the manifest presence of God? And one of the things that we've been talking about is how important it is that we are consistently, consistently, say it, consistently pursuing God's presence through a commitment to spiritual disciplines, to spiritual habits, through spiritual behaviors or practices that are going to lead us towards God. Because we can't even imagine that somehow God's going to show up in his manifest presence, simply by us doing nothing. Now, sometimes he does that. He blesses us. He's just like, you know, I'm going to bless them today. They didn't do anything to deserve it, and I'm going to show up. But there's this element to the relationship with God that it is a love relationship, and that means it's two-way. You see what I'm getting at? In other words, we have a part to play. And so one of the scriptures I've read, I want to read it out of Jeremiah. You've probably heard this in the Bible somewhere, or maybe saw it on a wall. But the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29 that God knows the plans that he has for you, right? He says, he says that they are plans for good and not for disaster. I'll give you a future and a hope. And everybody says, amen. I want that. I need that. I like that. Please, yes. Twice on Sunday. And then in verse 12, this is where it all comes together because it's not just thrown out there and says, this is just going to come to pass all the time. He goes forward and says in verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. My friends, it is good news to know that when I pray, God's listening. You may not feel like he's listening today, but the Bible says he is. And then in verse 13, if you look to me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Oh, that's so good. If I look to God wholeheartedly, I will find him. Do you notice the if-then relationship? If I do this, then this will happen. And so there's this, this relationship that God wants us to cultivate that's not just aware of his presence, not just an experience of his inner presence through Jesus Christ, but a manifestation of his presence in our life consistently I need that, and I know you do as well. And so last week, I talked about five. I, I, I didn't give you all ten, because it was a lot, okay? And some of you that were here, you were like, yeah, that was a lot. But, but, but I gave you five. But today, I want to follow up with the remaining five of what, what it is that we need to be doing to experience the manifest presence of God. And so I'll just really quick give you the first five. Here are the first five. Come clean with God. In other words, that we have to have a regular confession with God, that we have to be honest before the Lord. We have to recognize that we're not God and he is. Yes? In addition to that, just this is for free. This is just a tip. 
is that the Bible says that when we confess one to another, we will be healed. Think about that. And so there's this aspect of confession that relates to God, and it also relates to one another, and in the middle of all that relates to our healing. I think that's pretty powerful. I don't have time to go into that today, but you, but, but you can research that a little for yourself. Number two is praise your way into God's manifest presence. Earlier we did a 10-second praise. You remember that? Rather than taking a coffee break or a tea break throughout the day, you take a praise break. And you ask, Pastor, how many times a day should I do that? The Bible says seven. So let's go with seven. So seven times a day, you can set your alarm by it and begin to praise the Lord for 30 seconds. And watch what will happen. Your little grumpy face will go away. That anger that you have towards a colleague starts to dissipate. See, see, it's amazing what praise can do for us. It is hard to hate someone or have unforgiveness in your heart when you're trying to praise the Lord. I'm just telling you it is. Because you know what happens is the Lord starts to soften you. When you begin to praise, your heart gets softer and you're able to then be who God wants you to be. A couple of other things I said. Number three is that we have to block out distractions Right? We have to block out distractions and focus on the Lord. And this is where I really dug deep into the fact that we've got to silence some things in our life. We've got to turn off some notifications. We have to be less committed to posting. We have to be more committed to focusing on God. Yeah. Number four is that we have to stay still in his presence. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. And so we have to practice a stillness because I don't know if you're like me, I'm always moving. I'm always doing something. I want to be here and do that. And, and I, I like the idea of sitting on a beach and just allowing the sun to bake me all day long is like, it just, I can't. Like, I like the idea of it, but there's a part of me, it's like, let's do something. I'm so bored right now. And you may be like me. And so I have to practice a discipline of stillness to be able to invite God's presence. And then number five dealt with really the physical activity of our life and the resting activity of our life. And that is that we need to take a walk sometimes and be mesmerized by God's creation. We have to vacation. We have to, to stop. We have to pause. We have to get our bodies back in line with our spirit. And so these are just a few of the things that I shared last week. And if you missed any of those, you can get back to those by simply downloading our app or going to our, our website and you can find them. But here's the thing I want to ask you. Do you believe that it's possible to connect with God's manifest presence? And if you do, then I believe the Bible says then it's possible. If you decide not to, God can break into space and time and knock you off your horse if he wanted to. But God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And the point I'm trying to make is that God isn't interested in knocking you off the horse necessarily. He's interested in you saying, I want it. I believe it. I'm for it. And sometimes in our life we believe things and we take hold of things that lead us down a path that don't lead us to God's presence. And so these five things that I shared will help you. And I want to share the next five as we look at ten things that we want to experience or that we need to have in our lives to help us experience the manifest presence of God. Number six, if you're taking notes, number six is that we have to read and speak scripture aloud. We have to read and speak scripture aloud. Listen to this in Jeremiah 23, 28 through 29. The prophet 
who has a dream. Let him tell a dream. And then watch this. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. And then watch this in verse 29. It's not my, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord. And he says, and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. And you're like, what in the world? Look at this. Jeremiah is telling us if there's a word in you, you should speak it out. If the word is in you, you should speak it out. And that in doing so, it releases something. Matter of fact, it goes on to say that God's word is like a fire. If you've ever seen a fire, it spreads, doesn't it? If you don't contain it, it begins to spread. And in addition to that, he says that it's like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces. Guys, what he's saying is that there's power in God's word. That when you speak his word, there is power. It is infectious. It begins to take hold of your life and other people's lives. That's what he's trying to get us to see. See, see, we have to, we have to seek this. We have to speak this. We have to begin to shout it out sometimes if we want to see God's presence show up in our day-to-day lives. See, speaking it and hearing it will bring about personal revelations from God's word. Now, notice I didn't say that it would be word of God kind of revelation. In other words, the Bible says you don't add or take away from God's word. So you're not like getting words that are somehow you get to write the Bible now. But you are getting words because we, we serve a God that is active, alive, and talking to his people on a regular basis. And you want to hear from him, and I want to hear from him. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to speak to us. And so as we speak, as we hear, as we do the reading and speaking the scripture aloud, what happens is we begin to experience personal revelation that God wants to download into our lives. And I'm telling you what, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but if you have not had this happen, this is what you're going after. Is that when I sit and I hear a word from God, as I read his word, as I find an insight or something curious or interesting or a phrase or an idea, there's something about it that leads me to this strength. Like it's like, oh God, you, you, you said that to me. You, you spoke that into my life. That is so interesting, Lord. Thank you for giving me that. And what happens is I can chew on it all day. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. And if you're like, well, pastor, that's good for you because you're a pastor. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of us have access to God's presence. So don't make the presence of God some kind of professionalism. It's not. It's available to you, to everybody. Any person, the Bible says, that seeks it can find it. And you're like, are you saying I should read it aloud? Yes. Like wherever you are, maybe in your quiet time, read the word out loud. It's amazing. I I actually like to listen to it too. And so I'll listen to the word and follow along as it's, and it's like it engages me differently. But if you'll begin to speak it out, you'll see things and hear things. Uh, You'll notice things that you didn't see before. And so take a passage of scripture. Matter of fact, take Psalm 84, because that's the psalm that is kind of the impetus for this entire series. And just begin to read it out loud. 
and see what God does. See what he begins to say to you. And then start soft in your first read-through. Then in your second read-through, get a little louder. And maybe in your third read-through, get even a little louder. And then get so loud that your neighbors are like, what is happening over there? See, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by what? Hearing. See, when I hear the word of God, I don't know how to explain this, but when I hear the word of God, the spirit of God is unlocked in that moment and my faith begins to build. The good news of Jesus comes into my life and I'm encouraged by that. And so that's number six. Number seven, the seventh thing that we need to do in order to experience the manifestation of God's spirit, number seven, is learn to rejoice, come on, in the good and the bad. That's a hard one, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when things are bad, I don't usually want to stand up and be like. Do you? I mean, if you're honest, who wants to do that? And I'm not saying that that we have to somehow be aloof to the pain that we're in, the suffering that we're experiencing. I'm just simply saying that God is the God in the middle of our good and our bad. And he walks through it with us. Whether we're singing or whether we're crying, he's with us. And so we have to learn how to rejoice in these things because we understand how it helps us. Here's what I want you to see. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, listen to this. We can rejoice too, Paul says, when we run into problems and trials. So Paul's saying that when you run into problems and you run into trials or you run into suffering, he says that you can rejoice too in that. Now, I know that some of us think Paul's a little off of his rocker sometimes. He's pretty intense for Jesus. But he absolutely tells us that in the middle of these trials and tribulations that we can rejoice. And then he goes on to explain why. He says, for we know that they help us. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of bad things or trials or tribulations happening and they're there to help us? He says they help us develop what? Endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope in what? Of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I like that. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So the Holy Spirit is living inside of us if we've said yes to Christ. And that is a guarantee, that is proof that God loves you. In addition to that, he says that all the sufferings, all the problems, all the trials that you're experiencing leads to certain things. The first is endurance. Have you ever tried to run a race without practicing for it? I have. I don't do it anymore because you learn your lesson, don't you? I remember I, 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 I was motivated to run this 5K and I had not trained at all. It was just kind of like, you know, I'm young. I'm a stud. I'm an athletic champion. Yes. Thank you. And I went out to run this race. Now, I finished, okay, because I, I didn't want to quit. I don't like that. So I finished. But by the time I finished, 
I thought I was going to die. I mean, you know, the pain you feel in your chest, you're breathing. And then here's the worst part. I went home and went to bed. The next day, I couldn't get out of bed. Like, I hurt so bad. And I had to preach. And I had to come up on the stage. I couldn't even get up the stairs. Like, I literally was like this. Getting up. I did not have what I needed to run that race. And sometimes what we do is we start to try to run a race and we haven't spent any time training. We haven't spent any time building up endurance. And one of the things that Paul says is not just your effort in the spiritual disciplines leads to endurance, but your challenges, your struggles, the difficulties of life actually lead to you growing in endurance. And let me say this. I think this is important, and I think this is revelation for some of us, is that in the middle of a pandemic, some of us have done well, and some of us haven't. And I don't want you to feel guilty about that. I want you to clue into the fact that if you're doing some of these things, when things get hard, when you've invested in the earlier times, you bring endurance to the difficult times. Yes? And so this is why it's so important because the Bible says you will have troubles. You think this is the first time in the world that we've experienced a pandemic? An economic shortfall? Problems in politics? No. The question is, Christian, when it gets hard, what do you look like? Do you look like Jesus to the world? Or do you look like you're curled up in a fetal position? And I know this is hard because some of us have had deep losses and I don't want you to hear me being insensitive to that. I just simply want you to understand that if we will do these things ahead of time, we will be better prepared for it when it comes. And it will come. So the first thing is, is endurance. The second thing is, is strength of character, the Bible says. That we learn to rejoice in the bad and good, and it develops strength of character. It's like we're tested, and, and it's like in the fire, right? It's the forging. It's, it's the purification that's occurring. In leadership, they call it negative preparation. In other words, that you're experiencing negative things, and those negative things are actually growing you and making you better. It also produces a, an understanding and awareness of character, of integrity. You actually start to learn what's really inside you. So when you're squeezed, things come out, don't they? When we're squeezed in life, things will come out of us. And the question is, is what's coming out of us when we're squeezed? What's actually being manifest on the world around us? Do we really believe the things that we say? Do we really believe that Jesus is the Lord? Do we really believe that he sits on the throne? Do we really believe that he has the power over all things? Do we really believe that in the middle of trials, tribulations, and difficulties, that he's still present, he's still working, and we are going to believe that over and over and over again, and we're not going to let anybody tell us different? See, that's the kind of character that's built in the fire. That's the kind of character that Paul was talking about. And it leads to a confident hope and salvation. 
In other words, that we can be strengthened in our belief. As we walk through trials and difficulties, we see God show up and it builds our faith. Isn't it true that when you hear someone share their story or tell you a story about something that happened and, and it leads to you hearing that, that God did this or God did that, you're just like inside, you're like, yeah, I need that. I want that. It, it, it builds your faith. And that's what it means is that we begin to strengthen our faith when we hope in God. And we see that our salvation is secure in God. And that someday, even in the by and by and the difficulties of life, that we will one day be with him. See, hope in Jesus, the Bible says, doesn't disappoint. It's always going to do what it's supposed to do. Guys, in a world that's constantly distracted, constantly letting us down, have you ever felt let down? Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt like someone made a promise to you and didn't follow through on it? I'm sure you have. You know what the Bible says? God never does that. That's good news. See, you've probably heard me say this before, but, but I think the gospel is wrapped up in good news, bad news, good news. In other words, the good news is we were created in the image of God. That's how it started. That's good news. The bad news is, is we sinned. The good news is, is that Jesus came into the world to save you and restore you back to how you were created. So it's good news, bad news, good news. And that picture of the gospel relates also to suffering. In other words, that God is always in the business of redeeming the bad. So, so we have good things in our life and then we have bad things in our life. But here's the thing. God never wants it to stay on the bad. God is always interested in redeeming the bad so that we can experience the good. And if we will press into the bad consistently during the bad, we will experience the good. Let me show you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul goes on to write and he says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Do you know what's encompassed in all things? Good and bad. All. All things God causes. That means he has a sovereign providential hand. And he is moving us through the pain and on the other side of the pain, if we won't jettison the pain, is the hope, is the joy, is the good. But if we will medicate ourselves through it, if we say, no, I'm not doing it, if we sit down and we say, God, I can't take it anymore, sometimes what happens is we don't reach to the other side. And I'm telling you, if you are going through hell right now, keep going. Because on the other side of it, on the other side of it, God says, I will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. See, we have to learn to rejoice in the middle of the good and the bad. And so I want to invite you this week to begin to press into God's presence by, by, by being consistent in something, your thankfulness. Like even in the bad, learning to be thankful for God's presence. Learning to be thankful, learning to realize that in the bad, God is still with you and being able to recognize in that that he's with you. And so some of you need some tangible things. And so this is what I want to encourage you. Text five people this week and tell them how thankful you are for them. And don't just be like, I'm thankful for you. <laughs> Say something that matters. You know, 
Say something like, this is why I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for this in you. And not only will that bless them, but it'll bless you. Because God, anytime we sow seeds of goodness, we receive goodness. Here's another one. Create a gratitude jar in your house. And so, and have little pieces of paper by your gratitude jar. And as you go throughout your day or, you know, whatever, or maybe you're having a tense moment, you go over to your gratitude jar and you write something down. And you just begin to fill that jar. And then when you have really bad days, you stick your hand in that jar. And you just begin to say, you know what this is I'm grateful for. This is what God's done in my life. I'm not going to forget anymore. I'm going to remember everything that he's done for me in the middle of these challenges. Number eight, activate your faith muscles. Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith, the Bible says. So you have to have faith to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. So you can come to God in faith and in your belief, God says he will reward you for seeking him. He rewards you with salvation and he rewards you with all kinds of other blessings. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do is learn to meditate on God's promises. Find a book of promises. They have them all over the place. Just go on the internet and say God's promises, a hundred of God's promises, right? Do a little search and you'll find them. They're all over the place. Begin to meditate on these promises. Begin to agree with these promises. Not just I meditate on them, but I agree with them. I receive them. And then activate those promises by putting them into play in your life. See, you got to speak these things out. you got to activate these things in your life. Because God's promises can sit on a page if you want them to sit on a page. But my friends, it would be much better if you activated and brought them into your life. And so go ahead and do that. Learn to activate your faith muscles. Because here's the thing. I heard this this week and it just so struck me. Feeding your faith will starve your fear. Isn't that good? When you feed your faith, it starves your fear. When you feed your faith, it starves your worry. When you feed your faith, it starves your anxiety. When you feed your faith, it starves bitterness, anger, and jealousy. See, when you begin to feed your faith, all of these other things are going to die because the Bible says wherever the light is, the darkness has to flee. Number nine, we need to find a prayer partner. We need to find a prayer partner. You're like, you, need me, you mean I need to pray with other people? Yes. Pastor, I can't even pray myself. Well, here's 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 here'll help you. If you pray with other people, you will be accountable to learning how to pray. <laughs> now, some of you are like, "Well, I don't want to do it now." I get it. That's up to you. That's your choice. This whole series is about: Do you or don't you want more of God's presence in your life? And sometimes you have to push yourself through a wall of uncomfortability. Is that a word? Uncomfortability. I just made it up. You have to push through that wall so that you can experience more of God's presence. And so find someone to pray with. Maybe you, maybe you Zoom with them. If you're on Zoom, say, hey, on Tuesdays at noon, we're going to get together and just have a few minutes of prayer. Will you do that with me? Or, or maybe it's in person. We're going to meet at Starbucks and have prayer. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, whatever. But you find somebody to pray with. And listen to what Matthew says. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. I also tell you this, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. That's pretty good news. In verse 20, he says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, 
I am among them. Guys, that's amazing to think about. That when you get together in God's power, in faith, that God is showing up. And, and, and here's the thing. Sometimes what happens is we see this passage of scripture, especially if right now we're praying for something that isn't coming to pass. And we read that and we think, well, you know, I don't, I don't see that. And sometimes what we do is we treat it like magic. Let me explain to you what magic is. Magic is where we do things to try and manipulate the divine. See, this scripture is not about magic. In other words, if you get three people together, you're not going to gang up on God and get them to do what you want. See, that's not how it works. It's important you understand that. Because some of us are praying right now for really hard things. And we want certain things to come to pass. And we may not be seeing those come to pass. And I understand that. But it's so important we don't see this passage as I say it and then I get what I want. It's not how it works. But I do want to encourage you today because I think there are some principles in this few verses, in these few, few verses, that will help you. The first is, is that prayer matters. That's what the Bible's saying, is that prayer matters. That's one general idea. The other is, is doing it together matters. Like there's something about doing it together that matters. And that in the doing it together, there's power in it. I don't even understand all the power. I know sometimes when I get together with pray with people, it's not that I'm praying about the future or I, I have some big, big need. It's I walk away encouraged. I walk away just praying for someone encourages me. You know one of the best things you can do if you're down in the dumps? Go visit someone who's suffering. Go find somebody in the hospital, well, if you could. Zoom with someone in the hospital that's dying. And God will minister to you as you show mercy to someone. I'm telling you, when you begin to pray for someone that's hurting, something in you shows up, man. All that selfishness that's inside us, come on. It just starts to dissipate. And I do want to give you just a couple of things for those that are, of you that are earnestly praying that God does something. And you're always, like you're, you desperately want him to do something. Because Sometimes we feel like God isn't answering. We feel like God isn't listening. And one of, what you need to hear is that God always answers our prayers. Always answers our prayers. His answers are different sometimes, but he's always answering prayers. And sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes his answer is no. And I don't always understand why he says no. The other thing I know is that sometimes he says wait. It's not time. And our job is to surrender ourselves to his will because he knows more than we do. And then I'll take one step further. And I love how Rick Warren does this. He says, it's yes and no. And yes, it's, it's wait. But sometimes it's grow. In the middle of the difficulty, God is pulling you through the challenge so that he can grow your faith. So that someday you might be uh, an oasis for someone else who's going through difficulty. See, God is interested in that. And so just remember, we need some prayer partners. Number 10, and this will be our last one. Can you believe we've got to 10? You guys are doing really good. Are you still awake? You okay? Last one, number 10. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life daily. Like, here's an idea. When you get out of bed, actually, before you get out of bed, say, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life today. I invite you into my heart today. Even before, and it's, that take five seconds. But just acknowledge the Spirit of God and invite him to be your friend. 
Invite him to be your confidant. Invite him to be your helper in that day. See, 2 Chronicles, or 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says this. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. It doesn't say seek it sometimes. It says seek it continually. So throughout the day, you can say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I'm angry. Holy Spirit, I'm happy. Holy Spirit, I need some cash. Holy Spirit, I need this. I need that. Holy Spirit, help me today. See, John 14, 15 through 18 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, is what Jesus says. He says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper, which is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you for how long? Forever. Never goes anywhere. The Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. The question is, is he sitting in the corner in your heart and you never invite him to come eat at the table? Do you see? He's with you. The question is, is do you acknowledge it? Do you move towards him? Do you invite him into the stories of your life? Do you invite him into those meetings that are difficult? Do you invite him into your marriage? Do you invite him into your relationship with your kids? Are you inviting the spirit? And then watch this. In, he says that he'll be with us forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the, word cannot, the world cannot receive because they neither see him or know him. In other words, the world doesn't even recognize this stuff, and they probably think you're crazy. But he says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be what? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's good news. Because you've heard me say this, and I'll keep saying it. And that is that God is not a forcer. He's a filler. God is not a forcer. He's a filler. And if you will create space for that, if you'll begin to do some of the things we're talking about, he'll begin to fill your life with more of his presence. Because my heart for you as we go through this series is not that you'll write down a bunch of stuff and never do anything with it. My heart is that you would grab hold of a few things and begin to apply them into your life and that you'll begin to experience the manifest presence of God even more. And so next week, we're going to keep on going through Psalm 84. And this next week is about God's presence being a promise for renewal. See, God's presence renews us. And if you need renewal, don't miss next week because we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. My heart for you today is not only that you would experience more of God's manifest presence, but that you would earnestly seek God. And as you do, the Bible says that salvation is possible in your life if that's not your story. So what I want to do for just a moment is pray for you. And so let's all pray together. Holy Spirit, I just ask God that you would begin to fill each person in this room that desires more of your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them up this week. I pray, I pray that you'd fill them up in this moment. For anybody that is wanting to make commitments to God, I pray for you. 
God, perhaps you want to commit to doing one of these things. God, I pray that you would give them the strength. That the Spirit of God would give them the strength to do this next step. Father, I want to pray also for those here today that may not have a relationship with Jesus. And that you're here and you want to earnestly seek him. Because the result, the Bible says, if you do, you can be saved and spend eternity with God. And so for those of you in the room that would like to take a step of faith for salvation, I want to be able to pray for you, whether you're online or here in person. Um, the Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we'll be saved. And so I want to pray for you lead you in a prayer. If you'd like to say this prayer, all I ask is that you mean it. It's, there's nothing magical about it. It's just, it's just a, a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of faith. And so if you'd like to do that, everybody, let's all pray together so that no one feels alone, but, but let's pray this prayer. I'll lead you in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Savior? I surrender to you today. Be my Lord. Fill me with your presence. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? I love it. I'm so proud of you.